Hello, funny people. Thanks for joining me here today on Four Cents a Podcast. We're going to have some fun because I've got something to moan about. Stay tuned. Welcome back once again to the Four Cents of Podcast Halloween special. Uh, Today, yet again, you'll be getting another installment, another two installments of Neil Gaiman's wonderful story, Coraline, specifically chapters four and five. Um, Incidentally, in other Gaiman news, before we get to the main event of this episode, I just wanted to briefly uh, remind you all that a new Neil Gaiman book is actually apparently set to hit shelves, if it hasn't already, by the uh, by the time this episode airs. It's a big compendium of Neil Gaiman's shorter fiction and excerpts from his longer fiction, his novels, including American Gods and Neverwhere and obviously Coraline, uh, called The Neil Gaiman Reader big, thick, beautiful book, just filled with all his short stories, or at least uh, 50 some odd of his short stories, and again, several extracts from his novels. And um, I point this out, not only just because I love Neil and I want uh, his work to be shared with everybody, but also because uh, uh, for a writer to get a reader is actually kind of a monumental moment in their writing career because it's a sign that they've made such a major impact on their time's literary culture that a considerable selection of their work is being immortalized and being collected into one place so that way anybody who has never had the pleasure of reading a Neil Gaiman story or just to name a few writers who actually have gotten readers as well. Fran Lebowitz, who was featured on this podcast uh, this past season, uh, as well as uh, many of the great humorists like uh, Robert Benchley and Dorothy Parker. These wonderful authors, their work is brought together into one place and it enables people to really get a feel for who they are as artists. And so for Neil to finally get one, it's a, it's a wonderful milestone in a literary career and certainly something that's worth celebrating and certainly a book that I would highly advise everyone who loves Neil's work as much as I do to add to their personal library. Now with that being said, here we go. We're continuing the story of Coraline by Neil Gaiman, chapters 4 and 5. Chapter 4 The house looked exactly the same from the outside, or almost exactly the same. Around Miss Spink and Miss Forcible's door were blue and red light bulbs that flashed on and off, spelling out words, the lights chasing each other around the door, on and off, 
around and around. Astonishing was followed by a theatrical and then triumph. It was a sunny, cold day, exactly like the one she'd left. There was a polite noise from behind her. She turned around. Standing on the wall next to her was a large black cat, identical to the large black cat she'd seen in the grounds at home. Good afternoon, said the cat. Its voice sounded like the voice at the back of Coraline's head, the voice she thought words in, but a man's voice, not a girl's. Hello, said Coraline. I saw a cat like you in the garden at home. You must be the other cat. The cat shook its head. No, it said. I'm not the other anything. I'm me. It tipped its head to one side. Green eyes glinted. You people are spread all over the place. Cats, on the other hand, keep ourselves together. If you see what I mean. I suppose. But if you're the same cat I saw at home, how can you talk? Cats don't have shoulders, not like people do. But the cat shrugged. In one smooth movement that started the tip of its tail and ended in a raised movement of its whiskers. I can talk. Cats don't talk at home. No, said the cat. No, said Coraline. The cat leaped smoothly from the wall to the grass near Coraline's feet. It stared up at her. Well, you're the expert on these things, said the cat dryly. After all, what would I know? I'm only a cat. It began to walk away, head and tail held high and proud. Come back said Coraline. Please, I'm sorry, I really am. The cat stopped walking, sat down, and began to wash itself thoughtfully, apparently unaware of Coraline's existence. We, we could be friends, you know, said Coraline. We could be rare specimens of an exotic breed of African dancing elephants, said the cat, but we're not. At least, it added cattily, after darting a brief look at Coraline, I'm not. Coraline sighed. Please, what's your name? Coraline asked the cat. Look, I'm Coraline, okay? The cat yawned slowly, carefully, revealing a mouth and tongue of astounding, uh, astound, astounding pinkness. Cats don't have names, it said. No, said Coraline. No, said the cat. Now, you people have names. That's because you don't know who you are. We know who we are, so we don't need names. There was something irritatingly self-centered about the cat, Coraline decided, as if it were, in its opinion, the only thing in any world or place that could possibly be of any importance. Half of her wanted to be very rude to it, the other half of her wanted to be polite and deferential. The polite half won. Please, what is this place? The cat glanced around briefly. It's here, said the cat. I can see that. Well, how did you get here? Like you did. I walked, said the cat, like this. Coraline watched as the cat walked slowly across the lawn. It walked behind a tree but didn't come out the other side. Coraline went over to the tree and looked behind it. The cat was gone. She walked back toward the house. 
there was another polite noise from behind her. It was the cat. By the by, it said, it was sensible of you to bring protection. I'd hang on to it if I were you. Protection? That's what I said, said the cat. And anyway, it paused and stared intently at something that wasn't there. Then it went down into a low crouch and moved slowly forward, two or three steps. It seemed to be stalking an invisible mouse. Abruptly, it turned tail and dashed for the woods. It vanished among the trees. Coraline wondered what the cat had meant. She also wondered whether cats could all talk when she came, where she came from and just chose not to, or whether they could only talk when they were here wherever here was. She walked down the brick steps to Mrs. Spink and Forcible's front door. The blue and red lights flashed on and off. The door was open, just slightly. She knocked on it, but her first knock made the door swing open, and Coraline went in. She was in a dark room that smelled of dust and velvet. The door swung shut behind her, and the room was black. Coraline edged forward into a small anteroom. Her face brushed against something soft. It was cloth. She reached up her hand and pushed at the cloth. It parted. She stood blinking on the other side of the velvet curtains in a poorly lit theater. Far away at the edge of the room was a high wooden stage, empty and bare, a dim spotlight shining onto it from high above. There were seats between Coraline and the stage, rows and rows of seats. She heard a shuffling noise, and a light came toward her, swinging from side to side. When it was closer, she saw the light was coming from a flashlight being carried in the mouth of a large black Scotty dog, its muzzle gray with age. Hello, said Coraline. The dog put the flashlight down on the floor and looked up at her. Right, let's see your ticket, it said gruffly. Ticket? That's what I said. Ticket. I haven't got all day, you know. You can't watch the show without a ticket. Coraline sighed. I don't have a ticket, she admitted. Another one, said the dog gloomily. Come in here, bold as anything. Where's your ticket? Haven't got one. I don't know. It shook its head, then shrugged. Come on, then. He picked up the flashlight in, its, in his mouth and trotted off into the dark. Coraline followed him. When he got near the front of the stage, he stopped and shone the flashlight onto an empty seat. Coraline sat down, and the dog wandered off. As her eyes got used to the darkness, she realized that the other inhabitants of the seats were also dogs. There was a sudden hissing noise from behind the stage. Coraline decided it was the sound of a scratchy old record being put onto a record player. The hissing became the noise of trumpets, and Miss Spink and Miss Forcible came onto the stage. Miss Spink was riding a one-wheeled bicycle and juggling balls. Miss Forcible skipped behind her, holding a basket of flowers. She scattered the flower petals across the stage as she went. They reached the front of the stage, and Miss Spink leapt nimbly off the unicycle, and the two old women bowed low. All the dogs thumped their tails and barked enthusiastically. Coraline clapped politely. Then they unbuttoned their fluffy round coats and opened them. But their coats weren't all that open. Their faces opened, too, like 
empty shells, and out of the old, empty, fluffy, round bodies stepped two young women. They were thin and pale and quite pretty, and had black button eyes. The new Miss Mick was wearing green tights and high brown boots that went most of the way up her legs. The new Miss Forcible wore a white dress and had flowers in her long yellow hair. Coraline pressed back against her seat. Miss Spink went off the stage, and the noise of trumpets squealed as the gramophone needle dug its way across the record and was pulled off. "'This is my favorite bit,' whispered the little dog in the seat next to her. The other Miss Forcible picked a knife out of a box on the corner of the stage. "'Is this a dagger that I see before me?' she asked. "'Yes,' shouted all the little dogs, "'it is.' Miss Forcible curtsied, and all the dogs applauded again. Coraline didn't bother clapping this time. Miss Spink came back on. She slapped her thigh, and all the little dogs woofed. And now, Miss Spink said, Miriam and I proudly present a new and exciting addendum to our theatrical exposition. Do I see a volunteer? The little dog next to Coraline nudged her with its front paw. That's you, it hissed. Coraline stood up and walked up the wooden steps to the stage. Can I have a big round of applause for the young volunteers? asked Miss Spink. The dogs woofed and squealed and thumped their tails on the velvet seats. Now, Coraline, said Miss Spink, what's your name? Uh, Coraline, said Coraline. And we don't know each other, do we? Coraline looked at the thin young woman with black button eyes and shook her head slowly. Now, said the other Miss Spink, stand over here. She led Coraline over to a board by the side of the stage and put a balloon on top of Coraline's head. Miss Spink walked over to Miss Forcible. She blindfolded Miss Forcible's button eyes with a black scarf and put the knife into her hands. Then she turned her round three times, or four times, and pointed her at Coraline. Coraline held her breath and squeezed her fingers into two tight fists. Miss Forcible threw the knife at the balloon. It popped loudly, and the knife stuck into the board just above Coraline's head and twanged there. Coraline breathed out. The dogs went wild. Miss Spink gave Coraline a very small box of chocolates and thanked her for being such a good sport. Coraline went back to her seat. You were very good, said the little dog. Thank you, said Coraline. Miss Forcible and Miss Spink began juggling with wood, huge wooden clubs. Coraline opened the box of chocolates. The dog looked at them longingly. Would you like one? she asked the little dog. Yes, please, whispered the dog. Only not toffee ones. They make me drool. I thought chocolates weren't very good for dogs, she said, remembering something Miss Forcible had once told her. Maybe where you come from, whispered the little dog. Here, it's all we eat. Coraline couldn't see what the chocolates were in the dark. She took an experimental bite of one which turned out to be coconut. Coraline didn't like coconut. She gave it to the dog. Thank you, said the dog. You're welcome, said Coraline. Miss Forcible and Miss Spink were doing some acting. Miss Forcible was sitting on a stepladder, and Miss Spink was standing at the bottom. 
What's in a name, asked Miss Forcible, that which we call a rose by any other name would smell as sweet? Have you got any more chocolate, said the dog. Coraline gave the dog another chocolate. I know not how to tell thee who I am, said Miss Spink to Miss Forcible. This bit finishes soon, whispered the dog. Then they start folk dancing. How long does this go on for? asked Coraline. The theater. All the time, said the dog. Forever and always. Here, said Coraline. Keep the chocolates. Thank you, said the dog. Coraline stood up. See you soon, said the dog. Bye, said Coraline. She walked out of the theater and back into the garden. She had to blink her eyes at the daylight. Her other parents were waiting for her in the garden, standing side by side. They were smiling. Did you have a nice time? asked her other mother. It was interesting, said Coraline. The three of them walked back up to Coraline's other house together. Coraline's other mother stroked Coraline's hair with her long white fingers. Coraline shook her head. Don't do that, said Coraline. Her other mother took her hand away. So, said her other father, do you like it here? I suppose, said Coraline. It's much more interesting than at home. They went inside. I'm glad you like it, said Coraline's mother, because we'd like to think that this is your home. You can stay here forever and always, if you want to. Hmm, said Coraline. She put her hand in her pockets and thought about it. Her hand touched the stone that the real Miss Fink and Forcible had given her the day before, the stone with the hole in it. If you want to stay, said her other father, there's only one little thing we'll have to do, so you can stay here forever and always. They went into the kitchen. On a china plate on the kitchen table was a spool of black cotton and a long silver needle, and beside them two large black buttons. I don't think so, said Coraline. Oh, but we want you to, said her other mother. We want you to stay, and it's just a little thing. It won't hurt, said her other father. Coraline knew that when grown-ups told you something wouldn't hurt, it almost always did. She shook her head. Her other mother smiled brightly, and the hair on her head drifted like plants under the sea. We only want what's best for you, she said. She put her hand on Coraline's shoulder. Coraline backed away. I'm going now, said Coraline. She put her hands in her pockets. Her fingers closed around the stone with the hole in it. Her other mother's hand scuttled off of Coraline's shoulder like a frightened spider. If that's what you want, she said. Yes, said Coraline. We'll see you soon, though, said her other father, when you come back. Um, said Coraline. And then we'll all be together as one big happy family, said her other mother, forever and always. Coraline backed away. She turned and hurried into the drawing room and pulled open the door in the corner. There was no brick wall there now, just darkness, a night-black underground darkness that seemed as if things in it might be moving. Coraline hesitated. She turned back. Her other mother and other father were walking toward her, holding hands. They were looking at her with their black button eyes, or at least she thought they were looking at her. 
She couldn't be sure. Her other mother reached out her free hand and beckoned gently with one white finger. Her pale lips mouthed, Come back soon, although she said nothing aloud. Corline took a deep breath and stepped into the darkness where strange voices whispered and distant winds howled. She became certain that there was something in the dark behind her, something very old and very slow. Her heart beat so hard and so loudly that she was scared it would burst out of her chest. She closed her eyes against the dark. Eventually she bumped into something and opened her eyes, startled. She had bumped into an armchair in her drawing room. The open doorway behind her was blocked by rough red bricks. She was home. Chapter 5 Coraline locked the door of the drawing room with the cold black key. She went back into the kitchen and climbed onto a chair. She tried to put the bunch of keys back on top of the door frame again. She tried four or five times before she was forced to accept that she just wasn't big enough, and she put them down on the counter next to the door. Her mother still hadn't returned from her shopping expedition. Coraline went to the freezer and took out the spare loaf of frozen bread in the bottom compartment. She made herself some toast with jam and peanut butter. She drank a glass of water. She waited for her parents to come back. When it began to get dark, Coraline microwaved herself a frozen pizza. Then Coraline watched television. She wondered why grown-ups gave themselves all the good programs with all the shouting and running around in. After a while, she started yawning. Then she undressed, brushed her teeth, and put herself to bed. In the morning, she went into her parents' room, but their bed hadn't been slept in, and they weren't around. She ate canned spaghetti for breakfast. For lunch, she had a block of cooking chocolate and an apple. The apple was yellow and slightly shriveled, but it tasted sweet and good. For tea, she went down to see Mrs. Fink and Forcible. She had three digestive biscuits, a glass of limeade, and a cup of weak tea. The limeade was very interesting. It didn't taste anything like limes. It tasted bright green and vaguely chemical. Coraline liked it enormously. She wished they had it at home. How is your dear mother and father? asked Miss Fink. Missing, said Coraline. I haven't seen either of them since yesterday. I'm on my own. I think I've probably become a single-child family. Tell your mother that we found the Glasgow Empire press clippings we were telling her about. She seemed very interested when Miriam mentioned them to her. She's vanished under mysterious circumstances, said Coraline, and I believe my father has as well. I'm afraid we'll be out all day tomorrow, Coraline, lovey said Mrs. Forcible. We'll be staying over with April's niece in Royal Tunbridge Wells. They showed Coraline a photographic album with photographs of Mrs. Spink's niece in it, and then Coraline went home. 
She opened her money box and walked down to the supermarket. She bought two large bottles of limeade, a chocolate cake, and a new bag of apples, and went home and ate them for dinner. She cleaned her teeth and went into her father's office. She woke up his computer and wrote a story. Coraline's story. There was a girl. Her name was Apple. She used to dance a lot. She danced and danced until her feet turned into sausages. The end. She printed out the story and turned off the computer. Then she drew a picture of the little girl dancing underneath the words on the paper. She ran herself a bath with too much bubble bath in it, and the bubbles ran over the side, and went all over the floor. She dried herself on the floor as best as she could, and went to bed. Coraline woke up in the night. She went into her parents' bedroom, but the bed was made and empty. The glowing green numbers on the digital clock showed 3:12 a.m. All alone in the middle of the night, Coraline began to cry. There was no other sound in the empty flat. She climbed into her parents' bed, and after a while, she went to sleep. Coraline was woken by cold paws batting her face. She opened her eyes. Big green eyes stared back at her. It was the cat. Hello, said Coraline. How did you get in? The cat didn't say anything. Coraline got out of bed. She was wearing a long T-shirt and pajama bottoms. Have you come to tell me something? The cat yawned, which made its eyes flash green. Do you know where Mommy and Daddy are? The cat blinked at her slowly. Is that a yes? The cat blinked again. Coraline decided that that was indeed a yes. Will you take me to them? The cat stared at her. Then it walked out into the hall. She followed it. It walked the length of the corridor and stopped down at the very end, where a full-length mirror hung. The mirror had been a long time before the inside of a wardrobe door. It had been hanging there on the wall when they moved in, and although Coraline's mother had spoken occasionally of replacing it with something newer, she never had. Coraline turned on the light in the hall. The mirror showed the corridor behind her. That was only to be expected, but reflected in the mirror were her parents. They stood awkwardly in the reflection of the hall. They seemed sad and alone. As Coraline watched, they waved to her slowly with limp hands. Coraline's father had his arm around her mother. The mirror, in the mirror, Coraline's mother and father stared at her. Her father opened his mouth and said something, but she could hear nothing at all. Her mother breathed on the inside of the mirror glass, and quickly, before the fog faded, she wrote, "Help us," backwards. With the tip of her forefinger, the fog on the inside of the mirror faded, and so did her parents. And now the mirror reflected only the corridor, and Coraline, and the cat. Where are they? Coraline asked the cat. The cat made no reply, but Coraline could imagine its voice, dry as a dead fly on a windowsill in winter, saying, "Well, where do you think they are?" They aren't going to come back, are they? Said Coraline. Not under their own steam. The cat blinked at her. 
Coraline took it as a yes. Right. Then I suppose there is only one thing left to do. She walked into her father's study. She sat down at his desk. Then she picked up the telephone, and she opened the phone book and, the tele and telephoned the local police station. Police, said a gruff male voice. Hello, she said. My name is Coraline Jones. You're up a bit after your bedtime, aren't you, young lady, said the policeman. Possibly, said Coraline, who was not going to be diverted. But I'm ringing to report a crime. And what sort of crime would that be? Kidnapping. Grown-up napping, really. My parents have been stolen away into a world on the other side of the mirror in our hall. And do you know who stole them? asked the police officer. Coraline could hear the smile in his voice, and she tried extra hard to sound like an adult might sound, to make him take her seriously. I think my other mother has them both in her clutches. She may want to keep them and sew their eyes with black buttons, and she may simply have them in order to lure me back into reach of her fingers. I'm not sure. Ah, the nefarious clutches of her fiendish fingers, is it, he said. Hmm, you know what I suggest, Miss Jones? No, said Coraline. What? You ask your mother to make a big old mug of hot chocolate and then give you a great big old hug. There's nothing like hot chocolate and a hug for making the nightmares go away. And if she starts to tell you off for waking her up at this time of night, why, you tell her that that's what the policeman said. He had a deep, reassuring voice. Coraline was not reassured. When I see her, said Coraline, I shall tell her that. And she put the telephone down. The black cat, who had sat on the floor grooming his fur, through this entire conversation now stood up and led the way into the hall. Coraline went back into her bedroom and put on her blue dressing gown and her slippers. She looked under the sink for a flashlight and found one, but the batteries had long since run down and it barely glowed with the faintest straw-colored light. She put it down again and found a box of in-case-of-emergency white wax candles and thrust one into a candlestick. She put an apple in each pocket. She picked up the ring of keys and took the old black key off the ring. She walked into the dress drawing room and looked at the door. She had the feeling that the door was looking at her, which she knew was silly and knew on a deeper level was somehow true. She went back into her bedroom and rummaged in the pocket of her jeans. She found the stone with the hole in it and put it in her dressing gown pocket. She lit the candle wick with a match and watched it sputter and light. Then she picked up the black key. It was cold in her hand. She put it into the keyhole in the door, but did not turn the key. When I was a little girl, said Coraline to the cat, when we lived in our old house a long, long time ago, my dad took me for a walk on the wasteland between our house and the shops. It wasn't the pla best place to go for a walk, really. There were all these things that people had thrown away back there, 
old cookers and broken dishes and dolls with no arms and no legs and empty cans and broken bottles. Mum and Dad made me promise not to go exploring back there because there were too many sharp things and tetanus and such. But I kept telling them I wanted to explore it. So one day my dad put on his big brown boots and his gloves and put my boots on me and my jeans and sweater and we went for a walk. We must have walked for about 20 minutes. We went down this hill to the bottom of a gully where a stream was. When my dad suddenly said to me, Coraline, run away, up the hill now. He said it in a tight sort of way, urgently, so I did. I ran away up the hill. Something hurt me on the back of my arm as I ran, but I kept running. As I got to the top of the hill, I heard somebody thundering up the hill behind me. It was my dad, charging like a rhino. When he reached me, he picked me up in his arms and swept me over the edge of the hill. And then we stopped and we puffed and we panted and we looked back down in the gully. The air was alive with yellow wasps. We must have stepped on a wasp's nest in a rotten branch as we walked, and while I was running up the hill, my dad stayed and got stung, giving me time to run away. His glasses had fallen off when he ran. I only had the one sting on the back of my arm. He had 39 stings all over him. We counted later in the bath. The black cat began to wash its face and whiskers in a manner that indicated increasing impatience. Coraline reached down and stroked the back of its head and neck. The cat stood up, walked several paces until it was out of her reach. Then it sat down and looked up at her again. So said Coraline. Later that afternoon, my dad went back again to the wasteland to get his glasses back. He said if he left it another day, he wouldn't be able to remember where they'd fallen. And soon he got home wearing his glasses. He said that he wasn't scared when he was standing there and the wasps were stinging him and hurting him and he was watching me run away because he knew he had to give me enough time to run or the wasps would have come after us both. Coraline turned the key in the door. It turned with a loud clunk. The door swung open. There was no brick wall on the other side of the door, only darkness. A cold wind blew through the passageway. Coraline made no move to walk through the door. And he said, that wasn't brave of him doing that. Just standing there and being stung, said Coraline to the cat. It wasn't brave because he wasn't scared. It was the only thing he could do. But going back again to get his glasses, when he knew the wasps were there, when he was really scared, that was brave. She took her first step down the dark corridor. She could smell dust and damp and mustiness. The cat padded along beside her. And why was that? asked the cat, although it sounded barely interested because she said when you're scared but you still do it anyway that's brave the candle cast huge strange flickering shadows along the wall she heard something moving in the darkness beside her or to one side of her she could not tell it seemed as if it was keeping pace with her whatever it was 
And that's why you're going back to her world then, said the cat, because your father once saved you from wasps. Don't be silly, said Coraline. I'm going back for them because they are my parents. And if they noticed I was gone, I'm sure they would do the same for me. You know, you're talking again. How fortunate I am, said the cat, in having a traveling companion of such wisdom and intelligence. Its tone remained sarcastic, but its fur was bristling and its brush of a tail stuck up in the air. Coraline was going to say something like, sorry, or wasn't it a lot shorter walk last time? When the candle went out as suddenly as if it had been snuffed out by someone's hand. There was a scrabbling and a pattering, and Coraline could feel her heart pounding against her ribs. She put out one hand and felt something wispy, like a spider's web, brush her hands and her face. At the end of the corridor, the electric light went on, blinding after the darkness. A woman stood silhouetted by the light a little ahead of Coraline. Coraline, darling, she called. Mum, said Coraline, and she ran forward eager and relieved. Darling, said the woman, why did you ever run away from me? Coraline was too close to stop, and she felt the other mother's cold arms enfold her. She stood there, rigid and trembling, as the other mother held her tightly. Where are my parents? Coraline asked. We're here, said the, uh, her other mother, in a voice so close to her real mother's that Coraline could scarcely tell them apart. We're here. We're ready to love you and play with you and feed you and make your life interesting. Coraline pulled back, and the other mother let her go with reluctance. The other father, who had been sitting on a chair in the hallway, stood up and smiled. Come on into the kitchen, he said. I'll make us a midnight snack, and you'll want something to drink, hot chocolate perhaps? Coraline walked down the hallway until she reached the mirror at the end. There was nothing reflected in it but a young girl in her dressing gown and slippers, who looked like she had recently been crying, but whose eyes were real eyes, not black buttons and who was holding tightly to a burnt-out candle in a candlestick. She looked at the girl in the mirror, and the girl in the mirror looked back at her. I will be brave, thought Coraline. No, I am brave. She put down the candlestick on the floor, then turned around. The other mother and the other father were looking at her hungrily. I don't need a snack, she said. I have an apple, see? She took an apple from her dressing gown pocket and bit into it with relish and an enthusiasm that she did not really feel. The other father looked disappointed. The other mother smiled, showing a full set of teeth, and each of the teeth was a tiny bit too long. The lights in the hallway made her black button eyes glitter and gleam. You don't frighten me, said Coraline, although they did frighten her very much. I want my parents back. The world seemed to shimmer a little at the edges. Whatever would I have done with your old parents? If they have left you, Coraline, 
It must be because they became bored with you or tired. Now, I will never become bored with you, and I will never abandon you. You will always be safe here with me. The other mother's wet-looking black hair drifted around her head like the tentacles of a creature in the deep ocean. They weren't bored of me, said Coraline. You're lying. You stole them. Silly, silly Coraline. They are fine wherever they are. Coraline simply glared at the other mother. Now prove it, said the other mother, and brushed the surface of the mirror with her long white fingers. It clouded over, as if a dragon had breathed on it, and then it cleared. In the mirror it was daytime already. Coraline was looking at the hallway all the way down to her front door. The door opened from the outside and Coraline's mother and father walked inside. They carried suitcases. That was a fine holiday, said Coraline's father. How nice it is not to have Coraline anymore, said her mother with a happy smile. Now we can do all the things we always wanted to do, like go abroad, but were prevented from doing by having a little daughter. And, said her father, I take great comfort in knowing that her other mother will take better care of her than we ever could. The mirror fogged and faded and reflected the night once more. See, said her other mother. No, said Coraline, I don't see, and I don't believe it either. She hoped that what she had just seen was not real, but she was not as certain as she sounded. There was a tiny doubt inside her, like a maggot in an apple core. Then she looked up and saw the expression on her other mother's face, a flash of real anger which crossed her face like summer lightning, and Coraline was sure in her heart that she had seen what she had seen in the mirror it was no more than an illusion. Coraline sat down on the sofa and ate her apple. Please, said her other mother, don't be difficult. She walked into the drawing room and clapped her hands twice. There was a rustling noise and a black rat appeared. It stared up at her. Bring me the key, she said. The rat chittered. Then it ran through the open door that led back to Coraline's own flat. The rat returned, dragging the key behind it. Why don't you have your own key on this side, asked Coraline. There is only one key, only one door, said the other father. Hush, said the other mother. You must not bother our darling Coraline's head with such trivialities. She put the key in the keyhole and twisted. The lock was stiff, but it clunked closed. She dropped the key into her apron pocket. Outside, the sky had begun to lighten to a luminous gray. If we aren't going to have a midnight snack, said the other mother, we still need our beauty sleep. I'm going back to bed, Coraline. I would strongly suggest that you do the same. She placed her long white fingers on the shoulders of the other father, and she walked him out of the room. Coraline walked over to the door at the far corner of the drawing room. She tugged on it, but it was tightly locked. The door of her other parents' bedroom was now closed. She was indeed tired, but she did not want to sleep in the bedroom. 
she did not want to sleep under the same roof as her other mother. The front door was not locked. Coraline walked out into the dawn and down the stone stairs. She sat down on the bottom step. It was cold. Something furry pushed itself against her side in one smooth, insinuating motion. Coraline jumped, then breathed a sigh of relief when she saw what it was. Oh, it's you, she said to the black cat. See, said the cat. It wasn't so hard recognizing me, was it? Even without names. Well, what if I wanted to call you? The cat wrinkled its nose and managed to look unimpressed. Calling cats, it confided, tends to be a rather overrated activity. Might as well call a whirlwind. What if it was dinner time? asked Coraline. Wouldn't you want to be called then? Of course, said the cat. But a simple cry of dinner would do nicely. See? No need for names. Why does she want me? Coraline asked the cat. Why does she want me to stay with her? She wants something to love, I think, said the cat. Something that isn't her. She might want something to eat as well. It's hard to tell with creatures like that. Do you have any advice? asked Coraline. The cat looked as if it were about to say something else sarcastic. Then it flicked its whiskers and said, Challenge her. There's no guarantee she'll play fair, but her kind of thing loves games and challenges. What kind of thing is that? asked Coraline. But the cat made no answer. Simply stretched luxuriantly and walked away. Then it stopped and turned and said, I'd go inside if I were you. Get some sleep. You have a long day ahead of you. And then the cat was gone. Still, Coraline realized it had a point. She crept back into the silent house, past the closed bedroom door inside which the other mother and the other father... What? She wondered. Slept? Waited? And then it came to her that, should she open the bedroom door she would find it empty, or more precisely, that it was an empty room, and it would remain empty until the exact moment that she opened the door. Somehow, that made it easier. Coraline walked into the green and pink parody of her own bedroom. She closed the door and hauled the toy box in front of it. It would not keep anyone out, but the noise somebody would make trying to dislodge it would wake her, she hoped. The toys in the toy box were still mostly asleep, and they stirred and muttered as she moved their box, and then they went back to sleep. Coraline checked under her bed, looking for rats, but there was nothing there. She took off her dressing gown and slippers and climbed into bed and fell asleep with barely enough time to reflect, as she did so, on what the cat could have meant by a challenge. funny people that's it from me here on four cents a podcast i really do hope you enjoyed the show and that you'll join me here again next time until then stay safe stay healthy 
and do try to remember to enjoy yourselves.